millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast, the one yes, podcast sir. in the world that answers the only question that ever truly mattered in the entire mm-hmm. world. Is how you get inside the finals? You can't even get in. How can you aim from outside the finals? You can't even get in. And that is where we're going to go today. As yes. usual, we have so many teams, you know, in the NBA that are about 17 to 20 games away from the playoffs. And yes. this is like the perfect episode right now because it's after the All-Star break. You casuals are watching now. You guys are going to be more tuned in because it's yep. real basketball being played because it's more meaningful basketball. If you're True. close to, if you're close and you're on the cusp of the play-in, you're playing a little bit harder. We're going to see more yes. playoff caliber teams play to their highest level. Um, we yes. saw, you know, the Bucks go on a 16-game win streak out of nowhere. <laughs> the Knicks go on a seven-game win streak. Next on a seven game win streak, you know, yep. it's crazy right now in the NBA. So, yeah. um, that's just what we have for today. How you feeling, Jay? You know, I'm feeling good. This this basketball time frame is a hectic one. There's so many things going on, so many new changes, so many things that we got to adapt to, um, and it's it's a fun time to be a basketball fan because there's a lot new, a lot more new variables into the basketball that we thought the NBA that we thought we understood. Exactly. Three, four weeks ago. So um, it's a fun time to be a basketball fan. It is. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Alrighty. You yeah. ready to kick this in the high gear? Let's go with it. <laughs> I feel like the the main thing everybody wants to talk about is Kevin Durant, KD, going to the Suns. We got to see him first play in the game against the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball. Um, if you watch that game, you should realize how shitty the Charlotte Hornets are. Uh, yeah. Dear goodness, <laughs> that was just terrible. They have nothing on that team. Kelly Oubre is just literally stat chasing the whole time, trying to average his 20 points per game. Yeah, Kelly Oubre is averaging 20. <laughs> Nobody's going to give you a big contract. Nobody believes that. Okay, yeah. everybody knows you're stat padding. Okay, Kelly? Mm-hmm. I know you're trying to taste the bag, but you're going to probably get five, four, five million dollars still every year. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, for me with the Suns, there are some worries and there are some really big, strong points. For me personally, I when I think about super teams coming together, I feel like the ones that work are the ones where the skill sets complement each other, like KD and the Warriors. They had no mid-range ISO guy on that team. It was Steph, three-point shot creator, you know, God, and off-ball shooting was his second-best skill. And Clay was this great standstill shooter, and off-ball movement was his second-best skill. That's a perfect super team fit, okay? 
And the Phoenix Suns are walking into Miami Heat. Yes, Miami Heat with LeBron and D-Way territory where they're gelling together and their best two players have the best same two skills just like the Miami Heat did. Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade, best skill was attacking the basket. Electric. Second best skill was passing. LeBron James, best skill was attacking the basket. Second best skill was passing. Okay, so they literally had the best two things together. And they never had any experience playing with a star that had the same exact skill set their entire lives. Okay, in the bas- in the NBA. Never. Yeah. Okay? They come out there, everybody knows they went ten and eight in the first eighteen games, and then went on this huge run where they won twenty straight or something like that. It looked like the super steam of old. Right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that worries me is it took eighteen games for them to figure it out. And KD is gonna play around twenty ish games if he doesn't sit out any games. So he's probably gonna play more seventeen to eight. And that this is gonna be heading into the playoffs. And the issue is KD's best skill, mid-range ISO scoring. Devin Booker's best skill, mid-range ISO scoring. Kevin Durant's second best skill, three-point shot creation. Devin Booker's second best skill, three-point shot creation. Mm -hmm. KD has never played with a mid-range shot creator in his life. Think about it, Russ. He didn't do that. He 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 played with James Harden. That's a three-point shot creator. He played with Kyrie. He played with Steph. He played with Clay. He's never played with anybody that plays like with like him. And Devin Booker's never had to play with a guy like this. He's played with CP and like a bunch of bums. Okay, he's never had to play with somebody that plays like him. So these two are gonna have to figure out how to play together. It's not like oh he's not gonna be able to learn the system. Blah blah blah. No, Kevin Durant can fucking learn the system. He's a Hall of Fame player for a reason. Okay, he can learn the system. Monty can teach them the system. I'm not worried about CP3 making it all work. I'm worried about Devin Booker and KD learning how to play with each other within 18 games. And because of this, this is where it really worries me is because right now, last time I checked at the playoffs ended, they'd be facing the Warriors round one. Uh, you don't want to go against the Warriors round one NBA championship contender got team that's been there all the time a ton of playoff experience round one not fully functioning at a hundred percent that's what makes me worry about these two is do they have the time to make this work like we all think it can work trust me i see the potential the potential is very obvious i feel like everybody sees the potential with the suns right they could be the best team in the league level team but will they be able to hit that and get that good enough in the playoffs to really show that they can do this every night and every night out. Um, so that's what I'm worried about. Uh, so what do you think about that, Chris, and the Suns in general? Suns in general, I feel like they have, I'm a, I'm a, since you kind of praise the sun a little, Suns a little bit, I'm going to go on the other mm-hmm. side of things, and I'm going to be a little bit more critical than I think okay. that most people would. So as I watched the game today, <clears throat> it was my first time getting to look at the new, at the new look Suns. Yeah. And... As I'm sitting there watching, I'm thinking that, you know, there's just one glaring weakness, right? And I'm just trying to figure it out, trying to put my hand on it, right? Now, look at who's in the game at the time, right? And I'm like, there's no CP3, and they look kind of all over the place, I would say, Uh right? One thing that the Suns have really made a strong suit for them, I believe, is that they have multiple shot creators. Multiple guys who can create a shot for Mm -hmm. themselves, you know, and then they have CP3 who, when he comes in, he can play make. 
you know what I mean, and create for others who are unable to do so. You have the Devin yeah. Bookers, you have the Kevin Durant's now, you know what I mean? You have the campaigns mm-hmm. who can create for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's the gl- the glaring weakness is that when CP3 is not in, it kind of just turns into an all-out Wild West shootout. Meaning that everybody's just like, okay, I'm putting my head down. I'm going to drive to the paint. I'm putting my head down. I'm just going to take the first shot available. I'm putting my head down. Yeah. I don't see anybody else. I'm putting my head down. I'm putting my head down. I'm putting my head down. No sets were run. And this is how I know that this happened. The fourth quarter starts, right? And I'm not trying to sound as a skip Bayless. The fourth quarter is not the only part that counts, right? But I kind of <laughs> call it like the middle of the game, right? So I saw a third okay. and fourth quarter, right? Just to be okay. honest. The fourth quarter starts... No CP3 in, right? It's about 12 minutes in the quarter. So we're at the 7-minute, seven, seven 19-second mark. They had already they had already had two back-to-back turnovers in, in the span of four minutes. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even running sets. And as soon as... And I'm not saying that there wasn't a point guard in, but I'm saying assuming that there might have been a respect, you know, for that particular guy as a playmaker. They might not have respected his, his ability to playmake at that time. CP3 comes in, immediately he gets the ball, brings the ball down the court, and they run a, and they run a set. Immediately. Immediately run a set, score. It's easy. It's one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. As soon as he's in, the playmaking happens. And they look like a well-oiled machine, look like a way better team. CP3 goes out. Uh, they're fl- the shots are flying again. In a very close game, it's like, that's one thing that I will say that needs to be... If it's not handled this year, at least next year, they should look into free agency and try to bring in another guy who can play make off when CP3 is not mm-hmm. on the floor. Considering how long you may think you may have him, he is getting up in age, but he does have sure. the type of game that ages well because he just has to develop. He has, really, what he does is he makes everybody around him better through his passing ability mm-hmm. and make, and knocks down a consistent mid range shot and, and an occasional three pointer. He has a really a really ageable game, I would say. True. You just need another guy who can like, okay, listen, I'm, I'm playing chess, right? I'm make everything yeah. easier for you. I'm gonna move the pieces around. You can play checkers if you want to, but I got this. Mm-hmm. This is this is my chessboard, just like CP3 sees it. And I think that that would be if they can have somebody like, you know, I'm not gonna uh, a Rondo, Ricky I don't Rubio, know, a Ricky Ricky Rubio is great for the Cavs right now. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> for the Cavs. I do not want uh-huh. him to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but a Ricky Rubio to the Suns, I mean, that could work as well. Somebody who could just, okay, yeah. I see the floor. You just mm-hmm. you just go, look, I'm going to pass you the ball, then you can do what you want to do because I'm going to set you up for the best. For the best, yeah. you know, we're going to set you up and have you running the sets and everything like that. But when I'm not on the floor, CP3 is on the floor, and we're still and we're still looking like a good team, like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. In this particular instance against the Mavs, who also don't have the greatest playmaker after Luka, once Luka's off the floor... Yeah. And then you kind of run into the same thing. So it's like this team was like playing a mirror match today. You know, they were, they were having a mirror match. That's why it was such a high scoring game. There was less defense mm-hmm. played than anywhere. I think it was like everybody was in the 30s, except in Tim Hardaway Jr. had like 28. Like, there, was no, yeah. there was no defense being played today. Um, and it's just as I'm looking at, it, I'm like, if they can figure that out, you know, while they're figuring out how to have Booker and KD coexist. I think once they figure that out, then I would be like, okay, the Suns have are lethal. You know what I mean? Not just on paper, but actually on the court. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Cameron Artis Payne is the type of guy that's good at attacking the basket. And they needed that coming off the bench before they had Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Because they had a lack of shot creators. Yeah. So, you know, now now they really don't need his skill set as much. And that's just yeah. the natural way of basketball when you switch around rosters. I will say I really like the fact that they're playing Josh Okoge. I The first person I thought of who should fill that forward spot would be him. Great defender, does a lot of little things. My secondary worry is, you know, just like you said, their defense is going to leave, you know, be very average for an NBA championship level. Definitely is a lot to be desired. Right, but they're going to score with a lot of people, right? They're going to, they play better defense like Dallas. Just, they're just like an average defense. You know what I mean? And, a really well-oiled machine that's really a complete team, like the two top-tier teams in the East are going to give them troubles yeah. because they're just going to defend them so well and it's going to be easier to score on them than it is for the other way around. So, you know, it's it's not like this is a lock for them to win a championship. I feel like everybody, they got traded KD. Oh, it's a ring already. Like, everybody always jumps to that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Phoenix is going to be a good team and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Them grow, them gel. I can guarantee you this: playoffs aren't going to be boring in the West. <laughs> no way, no way. <laughs> nope, not a chance. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Do you have anything else you want to say, or do you want to move from one playoff team to another in the West? Uh, well, just one more thing, and we need but, to be very um, keep our eyes on DeAndre Ayton as the as the team as the team okay. as as the uh, road to the playoffs continues on as they get close okay. to the playoffs keep your eyes on deandre ayton he's i don't know <laughs> We're just gonna does keep he look discontented discontent <laughs> i don't know he had like seven today <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> yeah deandre ayton's he, he's he's i don't see that big of a difference between him and Jonas valachunas yeah. he's just a little bit better yeah. He's okay. He's okay. Nobody passes him the ball unless he be threes in and then run and pick and roll. Other than that, he's kind of just ignored. <laughs> they have a good combo, though, him and CP. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. You ready to kick it to another good pick and roll combo? Alright. The team I want to talk about and something that I want to, you know, let Chris know is I'm 100% in on Jamal Murray being like the Jamal Murray of old this postseason no. and right now. Okay. I was watching them play. I can't name who I was watching them play against. I was like, damn. He's driving to the basket like with a real spring and like he's going under the rim and finishing with his crazy lays. And I'm like, damn, I've seen flashes of those step back threes that used to kill everybody and the separation that he used to be so great at creating and, you know, his athletic gifts. And I feel like he's 100% right now, which is great for the Denver Nuggets. And I feel like right, uh, the Denver Nuggets are a better team than what they were at the break. Even though they traded Bones, they did sign Reggie Jackson, who fills that secondary guard shot creator role for them, which they so desperately needed. Thomas Bryant is a really solid backup center. That was a weakness for them. Um, I still think that they uh, probably won't make the Western Conference Finals, but they'll be mm. a hell of a matchup for some teams. Yes. Jamal Murray, I really feel like he's going to look like Jamal Murray of old. We obviously love Nicole Okachir. I mean, who doesn't love that fucking guy? He's ridiculous. Passing, shooting, scoring. He's he's amazing. But I really am happy. Just It's going to be so much fun to watch. 
it's going to be reminiscent of what we used to see in 2019 and stuff like that. So you never want to see somebody get hurt like this. And Michael Porter Jr. is also playing a really well-oiled, highly efficient, shoots-when-he's-open type of game. He's never okay. going to be the guy we wanted as a shot creator, but right yeah. now he's playing a very efficient sh- shot selection game where when he's open, he's shooting it. When he's not really open, he's not shooting it. And he's just very, very efficient right now, which is good for them. Um, so, yeah, the Denver Knights are a good team. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I think about that. What do you think? I like it. I like to hear that. I like to hear that my team is doing well. Um <laughs> I'm all for it. I, I like Nikola Jovic. I let me not Jovic, Jokic and, uh, <laughs> and Jamal Murray. I like their combo. Always have, uh-huh. and it's good to hear that Jamal Murray is playing back to his playoff, you know, kind of mm-hmm. bubble. And before, I remember yeah. <laughs> yeah, not to go backwards, but I remember we, that was like one of our first playoff games we watched together in college. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> we watched. Yeah, we Jamal watched the Trailblazers. Yeah, we watched yeah. the Portland Trailblazers with Dame and CJ eliminate them. Yeah, and then the series before that, when Dame sent Russell Westbrook home, that was yeah. a great series to watch. That's the <laughs> best series I've ever seen in person of just like a non-Western Conference Finals, like first round matchup where it was mm-hmm. just amazing to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Russell Dame and sent definitely Russell were great home. together. Yes, yeah. they were really good together. They weren't yeah. that bad at all. They just Dame mm-hmm. sent him home, bro. Dame was ridiculous. It was a bad shot. <laughs> yeah. Not um, for Dame. Bro, yeah. half court line isn't a bad shot for Dame. Have you seen him in the All-Star games? It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Lately, oh, too. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. You ready to kick it to the next uh, topic here? Let's roll it. All right. Next one up is, as of the last time I checked, Milwaukee Bucks have a 16-game winning streak overtaking the Denver Nuggets and okay well now 16 and 1 last time I checked (laughs) they overtook the uh, Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics as the number one seed overall seems like they're really chasing that home court advantage all the way through the playoffs um so you know when I think about that 16 game winning streak I think about the fact that that team hasn't been very healthy all year and I, I think about the fact that I think Giannis should really be I think he has the biggest narrative for the MVP. I mean, the amount of games that Chris Middleton's missed and for them to have the number one seed and him to be averaging like 32, 15 and five or something ridiculous like that. um, You know, I really feel like this is the best team in the league. Um, Definitely very defensively gifted with Jay Crowder on the team now too. I mean, it's insane. And uh, this team plays so well together. They have their own system. I love Giannis. Drew Holiday's good. Chris Moulton's a great support scoring role, and I really feel like they're peaking at the right time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this mm-hmm. continues, but peaking at the right time helps going in the playoffs, and this team is scary. So what do you think about the Bucks? Very scary team. I wouldn't want to play them if I was any team on either side, west mm-hmm. or east, because they're just they're just too good. They're, they're really what a be- well-balanced team looks like, especially mm-hmm. now that they have Middleton back. You know, Drew is playing great. Giannis is playing great. Just from top to bottom, one of the best, better, one of the better teams in the league right now. Um, <clears throat> just to go back to the 16-game win streak, they lost to the Sixers, one thirty-three oh, wow. to one thirty. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. But other than that, I mean, they're still, I, that's eh, they're Philly. Philly is a good team, but still, I'm yeah. still all the way in on on the Bucks winning another ring this year. Yeah. Let me ask you this. 
There's been a lot of talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and how good they are. I feel like both of us really agree without really having to say it that the Philadelphia 76ers are not really in the tier that I think most media wants to put them in. So why do you think that we both feel this way? Because I feel like we we agree without even saying we agree. Um, You said you feel like they're not in the tier that people think they are. Because, I mean, like... People think they're with the Boston Celtics-Milwaukee Bucks tier. That's that's, 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 that's our issue. See, that's that's what media is pushing. No. No. That's... No. (laughs) No. What? No. (laughs) Okay, so for me, at least, right... I believe in Joel Embiid, right? I believe in, like, overly believe in Joel Embiid. I just feel like he's yes. being dealt a bad set of cards because he just can't, they can't True. seem to build the team correctly around him, right? I think yeah. that there's, <clears throat> James Harden was a good pickup, but it wasn't, I just feel like that might, that's not truly the problem. I just feel like with the Sixers, I just don't really believe in them. They don't seem legit. For some reason, they're missing something. They don't seem like they just they seem better on paper than they do like because they sound good. You know, like it sounds very um, enticing, right? You you look at the roster, you go Joel Embiid, James Harden. This should be like a championship contender every year, like because you this is what you were missing or what people thought was missing from the Sixers was that when yeah. Ben Simmons was there, you had a guard who could pass the lights out, right, and really turn the Jets on and like you know what I mean, and you know kind of. Push it, make you know, push his way to the rim and stuff like that. But he was a liability because he couldn't shoot. So then you give a shooter to Joel Embiid, and then the team doesn't really seem to be turning its wheels in the way that you think it should be. Especially because they just don't really seem like they're on that they're that caliber of a team. If that makes sense. Um, The thing that I believe that is missing, and that the other teams have, especially Giannis and the Bucks, Tatum and the Celtics is not that they're just overly talented. I just feel that they just kind of just want it more, in a sense. I feel that they, like, that's that's the biggest thing there. I feel like they just want it more. These are two teams here that have really, I mean, like, Celtics aside with everything they've been through, I just feel like, for just look at them at the improvement, I would say, the Celtics mm-hmm. made. That should show you their that all it wasn't just the coach; it was that he got them to buy into something, and they were believing in it, and knew that they were a good team, and really believed that they were a good team, and just wanted it more than the other teams. The Bucks wanted more. Giannis has put something in that team, like I don't know what it is, that they just wanted more. They truly believe that they're a good. Team. I feel like it's a belief thing for the Sixers. I don't think that they think that they're a good as good a team as they should be. I feel like they're missing that. That's kind of it's a mental thing. It's a mentality. Mm-hmm. It's a mentality difference because look at like I said, look at the Celtics. The way they play defense, that's mentality. The way the Bucks play offense and defense, that's mentality. The way that the Sixers don't do that, that's just the way they kind of drag it because they they don't have the mental toughness of those two teams. I feel like that's. That's a good point. I I, th- I definitely think that, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers are a team that has talent, but I would agree that they don't really understand how to build a perfectly winning team. 
I feel like they on their bench they don't have a really good deep bench. They don't have mm-hmm. forwards to throw at people other than PJ Tucker. They just kind of prioritize shooting. And oh, we've had this guy for a while, like Osman, not Osman Dang, George Niang. George Niang shouldn't be a rotational guy in the playoffs. Like George yeah. Niang's not that kind of guy. And I feel like they aren't serious enough with their bench to really complete this team. And I do think to a certain extent, now I don't know if Joel Embiid's still this way, but I do remember reading um, Nick Nurse's book, who's the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. And they faced Joel Embiid in the playoffs that year with the Kawhi Leonard shot that bounced off the front of the rim. And he basically said in that book that they would um, always try to stop him in the first quarter because once he lost his confidence, he wouldn't play the same throughout the rest of the game. And his stats were like ridiculously down for the rest of the series after they made that adjustment. And I don't know if he's still like that, but if he is, right, that that's a mental aspect that you might be talking about where they don't seem to have that mental edge where they feel like they really understand how to be winners completely. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's a mix of Doc, James, and Joel Embiid not really knowing how to do it. I feel like Doc is kind of a little bit of a fraud of an NBA championship level coach. I feel like you agree with me on that. You know, KG, (laughs) Rondo, Allen, Paul Pierce, of course he was going to win one, right? And he wasn't really a highly touted coach before that and didn't really show a lot of juice before that. I feel like if a if a pop was here, I feel like he would definitely elevate this team mentally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just I I agree with you that, you know, there is something missing there mentally with the 76ers and with the GM and just like building out a bench that's ready to win playoff games. Yeah. Like it's pretty pretty straightforward. Right, like you need wings off the bench, you need guards that can defend, right? And they kind of only got one guy that's like that, and everybody else is just kind of like okay, right? Mm-hmm. They're just not, they're not taking it seriously enough building a bench that's ready to be a championship level bench, and um, yeah, the the seven the seventy sixers and Tobias too. Tobias Tobias is he seems like a negative guy in the locker room i feel like he has some resentment for not being the guy anymore like getting not as many touches just by like the way he plays and i also don't think he's worth what he's getting paid on the floor either right so not at all so i i agree i think it's not a perfectly built team they're not ready to win on a championship level right now they won't get bumped in the first round or something like that but you know I, i i feel like you're hitting the nail on the head here a little bit with philly yeah, I, I just feel that they just, they're, like I said, they're missing something. It's, yeah. If, if, once they figure that out. Oh. And I, I, what, I what's going what on? Is. Identity. What's yes. They don't have Perfect an identity. Word. Perfect word. Milwaukee Bucks? Oh, our identity is spacing, defense, and Giannis, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's our identity. Boston Celtics? Defense. Golden State Warriors? World-class passing. Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns? Perimeter shot creation. Right, like all these NBA championship ten level teams have an identity, right? Even the Denver Nuggets, Joel Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic pick and roll. And then we pick got guard. They've always had guards. Reggie Jackson, Will Barton, yeah. Sean's Bones Highland. That would be backups to that. You know what I mean? And I feel like the 76ers have Joel Embiid, 
but it's not like they use Joel Embiid in such a you know unique way, and the whole offense is built around him perfectly. It's kind of like we put two talents on the same team with James Harden and Joel Embiid. We haven't been able to find an identity to fit our label of a team to build around that. I feel like that's that's what it is. That and is the only and the here's the thing though, right? So Joel Embiid, I don't care what anybody says, has always been the guy on the Sixers. Right, yes. I feel like that's he's legitimately been the guy, right? Yeah. But they have yet to really truly run the offense through Joel Embiid, and then not having that already worked through the game plan, which mm-hmm. I don't see how as a coach you don't already see that that's the best thing. He was a MVP, he was an MVP finalist last year. That should have told you right there that oh, this guy needs to touch the ball eighty million times every game. Yeah, past the, it was a um, <laughs> wait, it was a. It was a skit I seen somewhere, right? Where I think Carmelo, it was like, it was a coach. Yeah. Um, it, it was on YouTube. It was like, it's real 85 or whatever, right? And it was yeah. a coach, and he and he was in he was in um, practice with Carmelo. He was like, don't you even touch the ball. Just pass the ball to Carmelo. Do I see you taking a yeah. shot? No, take no shots. Just pass the ball to Carmelo. That's mm-hmm. what it should be with Joel Embiid. Don't even take no shots. <laughs> Nobody else yeah. touched the ball. As soon as you get the ball, hot potato, it's Joel Embiid. That's what, how it should be. But then yeah. you, not even having that already established, you add James Harden to the mix, who's known to be a number one, known to be ball dominant. Yeah. And then you lose kind of what you were kind of building because now you have to try to figure out, okay, I have to make him happy and I have to make him happy. But he's used to being number one, so he wants to drop, like, he wants to, he wants to score at a high level because that's what he normally does. But then we have Joel Embiid. So who do we believe mm-hmm. in more? I feel like it could be more an ego thing. I feel like James Harden may not want to take a back seat to Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid does not need to take a backseat to James Harden. I think James Harden's willing to take the backseat now. I think he Even knows now? that he's not this. Yeah, I think, I think, I feel like that's not an issue anymore because how much he passes the basketball and like how much he doesn't force his shots. You know what I mean? Like I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like it's not the pl- James Harden's issue. I feel like it's the unable to build a system around Embiid. That's like mm-hmm. okay, we build around Embiid now. I, Embiid's in our identity. Just yeah. because you have a great player doesn't mean you've built around him correctly to build an identity. An example yeah. of this is the triangle. The triangle offense is known for being built around MJ and Shaq and Kobe. Okay, mm-hmm. what's the triangle offense? All that movement and all that passing around the magnetic force of a, of a center who's drawing in all this attention creates so many easy shots. Okay, our identity is Shaq in the Lakers. Because of the triangle offense, because they were able to play off MB uh, Shaq well. 76ers don't play off of MB well. All they do is stand mm. in corners. Like that's that that's not playing off of somebody. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of where we're both going with this. Was you know they haven't built around MB to make a identity that they can yeah. have going into the playoffs. They just have talent. Just- Right, and just one more thing, just to piggyback off of you with the standing in corners, they have they tried to create a Giannis offense without having the level of passing that they would need in order uh, to create that type of offense because yes. Giannis passes a lot from the center, you know, from like down the low paint. from that kind mm-hmm. of position from the paint. So it's like if you're going to have everybody in corners, there's it, it, there's magnetism, but you're not. I'm not expecting Joel Embiid to throw a cross court mm-hmm. pass. I don't see that in his arsenal. Yeah, you know. So I feel like they need to build more like as if they had like. If they had Shaq, yeah, that would be the best type of build. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we both hit the nail on the head here. 
I think yeah. they need to move coaches and try to get somebody a little. Honestly, like there's a gazillion coaches that used to coach in the nineties, eighties, seventies that'd be like, okay, I'm gonna build around a center. Okay, cool, easy, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys sitting on the couches right now that could do a good job with this. Um, mm-hmm. Could you imagine Phil Jackson just like, all right, I'm done chilling in the fucking mountains in North Dakota. I'm gonna come coach the whole of you. What? I'm gonna teach the triangles to the Sixers. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. All right. You ready to kick it to the next topic? I think a good segue, right? And I'm okay. not sure what you might have next. No, no, is no, that go for there it. is some there's some like mumbles that James mm. Harden might want to talk go back to the Rockets. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> That's fucking stupid if the Houston pulls that off. Okay, this is the reason why it's stupid. If he... Look, how do I put this? <clears throat> Memphis Grizzlies are an example of what I'm going to make here. Okay. Building a young team, you need generally... You want to get one one good player at each position. They all yes. grow together. Like Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr. They don't really have a center yet, but you know, it's Steven Adams, but not a young center. Yeah. And I think Jaron Jackson long term could be the center, but that's neither here nor there. The point of that is they need minutes. They got a lot of minutes where they used to suck, right? And they grew together to become the playoff team that we have now, right? Growing team chemistry and growing in talent. Okay, mm-hmm. to be able to grow young talent, they need minutes. James mm-hmm. Harden is going to get minutes. And yes. you know who the best player on the team is? Is Jalen fucking Green. You know what he yes. plays? Shooting guard, okay? You do not need James fucking Harden in there, okay? No, you need to develop these guys. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get somebody that's, you know, a good passer in the upcoming draft because there's a lot of good passers. Uh, I'm, I've already started scouting some guys. But, uh, you know, it's 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 Houston. Houston better not fucking do this. This is better be just leverage for James Harden to get a good contract, the 76ers or some bullshit like that. Who knows? God. But one thing that I was, you know, I talk basketball with my older brother all the time. He's a big mm. basketball head, right? So he made a good point, right? And I was agreeing with him. He said that the league has become selfish in a way. And I could see how he would say that, right? And I'm going to use that term in terms of James Harden if he was to go back to the Rockets. How that would be selfish is exactly how you put it. He would take minutes away from a growing young team. He would, they would have, in order to move James Harden back to the Rockets, they would end up breaking up their nucleus of a young team, their young core, in order to do that. So now you have these young guys who are getting used to playing together, and then you're gonna go scatter them like the, you're gonna scatter them like the Dragon Balls all across the, <laughs> the NBA mm-hmm. to get to bring James Harden back, and then not win. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make that's very selfish, right? Because it, it could be money driven. Because you know they they're gonna throw all the money in the world at James Harden. Who wouldn't? You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna throw all the money in the world at James Harden, and then gonna break up this young team, scatter them like the Dragon Balls, and then you have nothing left. You have nothing to show for it. Because not like it's gonna bring a championship to you just by signing James Harden. Because you're gonna be back in the same position before CP3 with James Harden and role players. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just how I see it. Yeah, 
So your brother doesn't know how correct he is. Um, <laughs> so I, again, to quote Nick Nurse's book. So basically, he talked about in his book about how he would talk with players, especially he talked about in the G League and when he was with Toronto. He'd sit people down and talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is what their goals are. And he would say, okay, you want to do that? Okay, I'll help you achieve your goals. Just help me win as a team. Kind of meet them halfway with, like, mm-hmm. everybody. So, like, imagine Pascal. Pascal's like, I want to average 26. Okay, I want to help you average 26 in a way that helps us win. Right? Like, yeah. NBA coaches, I'm sure every NBA coach has to deal with this. This seems like a quasi-revolution in NBA coaching that most people aren't talking about is modern mm-hmm. guys are like, okay, these guys selfish, they care about their careers, they're accepting that. It's not like... It used to be in the 70s and 80s and 90s, raw, raw, team over eye thought process with everything in sports. But that yeah. just wasn't normal human nature. Everybody's selfish. Everybody wants something for themselves. I exactly. will do this if I get X out of it, right? That's mm-hmm. just normal human nature, and I I think your brother doesn't know how correct he is. NBA head coaches are balancing that. And, uh, you know, good NBA head coaches that can ne- navigate that type of thing become great. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's actually funny that you brought that up, because that's a fun, <laughs> yeah. unique thing. So I was like, really? So, they do that? But yeah. 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 It's selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns out all human beings are selfish a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just where we are. Already? You want to kick it to mm-hmm. the next topic? Let's run it. I have a controversial statement. Ooh. Los Angeles Clippers are way better than everybody thinks. And it's Russell Bestwick is a good fit on the Clippers. Oh! <gasps> They look so bad. They've lost so many games in a row. Skip Bayless keeps on clipping them. Oh, my gosh. Draymond Green played off of him in the Warriors. Okay, sure. Does gimmicky defenses work in short terms? Yes. Okay, for a few minutes in the game was a fun to watch. Yes. But what you're not seeing is what we've been talking about for years here. What's the weaknesses of the Clippers? They don't have a point guard. They don't have a playmaker that could take the ball out of Paul George's and Kawhi Leonard's hands and make life easy for them because they're scorers, not playmakers for others. Okay? And it took me about 50 seconds into the game of watching them play for me to be like, holy shit, does this fit well? Okay? It doesn't go on the highlight tapes. It doesn't go on your Skip Payless blogs. I don't care what the fuck he's doing. Okay? When I'm watching Kawhi Leonard get open threes because Russell Westbrook is reading the defense that he never got before, when I'm seeing Paul George getting open shots and other players and Evox Subox getting lobs and things of that nature that never happened before, I mean, he probably adds 18 to 20 open shots that they never used to have because Reggie Jackson couldn't fucking pass. Okay, and they didn't realize that John Wall needed to be their starter. And when they had Rajon Rondo, Tyron Lue didn't realize that he needed. They traded Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo from the Atlanta Hawks and didn't play him a single minute in the playoffs. Okay, like this is how crazy. Like I thought Tyron Lue was just gonna fuck it up again, but Russell Westbrook starting. Okay. Get rid of the highlight plays of oh the low lights. Okay, he's gonna have some low lights, but his positive impact on the team has been their weakness for so long. This team can win the West. 
I'm going to say it. They have the deepest roster in the NBA. They got Kawhi, who looks like the same old Kawhi offensively. I think even like pre-All-Star break, he was averaging like 28 a game for the last, for like the last 10 games heading into the All-Star break. Paul George mm-hmm. looks the same defensively too. Kawhi doesn't look like the DPOY guy anymore, but he looks like a borderline all-defense, just like a really great defender. And you put all these things together, and you get a team that's going to be hella tough in the playoffs. They have games to make this work, you know, and they have time to make this work. And I really feel like this is going to work. I feel like Russell Westbrook gets hated on so much, but at this point in time, maybe not 10 years earlier, he used to be really efficient, make a lot of turnovers. But he's a high basketball IQ player now. If you don't realize that, you're just stuck on the narratives of what it used to be, right? Yeah. And. He's, he's such a good passer, and he's such a high basketball IQ guy, and he's so good at getting to the rim, and it's just exactly what they need, and it's too good of a fit for even Tyron Lue to fuck it up, okay? So, I, I'm huge on the Clippers. I think they're going to be tough matchup, and even I'm not going to take the bait on them losing a few games. NBA teams lose games. It happens, so... All right, that's my. They day. do lose games. You're absolutely right, and I feel like there is a negative narrative, like a negative cloud surrounding Russ, because like yeah. every time he does something, you know, immediately hits Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. and begins trending, yes. right? Like he he had a late, a last second, I mean, a late game turnover that might, may or may not have cost the Clippers a game, mm-hmm. and immediately went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, Russ, I go on Twitter every now and then and see, oh, he's lost. Tw- 25 of the games that he started in he's on a 25 game losing streak i'm like why does that matter he's on two different teams now you know yeah. he, the, the lakers may not have been the best fit at the time you yeah. know what i mean the clippers look a lot better as a as yeah. a fit i will agree with you on that but it's kind of like i guess as a as a as a fan of the game you know what i mean and knowing what russell westbrook brings to a team it is a little bit hard to really see the vision especially when the negatives are thrown in your face so much mm-hmm. um yeah it's really hard to see it because, like, I was—I mean, I think I, we had talked about this before. I was like, I don't know about the Clippers. I don't feel like they're going to be a good team. I mean, I don't know. Like, I see, like, I, I understand because we talk about this all the time. I was mm-hmm. like, we, they need somebody who can play chess, not checkers. They need somebody who can play make, who can really distribute the ball and make everybody around them better and get them to open shots. We completely understood that. That's why we're both on the same page with that part. But it's still at the same token. I'm just like, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like he's a detriment to the team. And if that's just media just flooding into my head in like the brainwashing that media does with, you know, with fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, um it's uh, going to be exciting because them, Denver, the Warriors, I really can't because Steph just came back this week. Steph, being able to see how well they're going to play because I did watch Cats a little bit of a Warriors game and I could definitely tell that they were playing with a lot more intensity than usual trying to stay out of that play-in game. Um, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how good they look because, um, you know... I also read, listened to Andre Odegadala's book, and he was like, oh, okay, we're, t- we're chilling until All-Star break when he's with the Warriors, and then after All-Star break, okay, we're turning the switch, we're actually going to try now, so I feel like this version of Steph with the Warriors from here on out is what they're actually going to be, and I'm kind of curious to see it, because they've been so up and down this year. They're still the defending champions, and they still have potential yeah. to re- reach what they can be, so uh, it's going to be interesting. 
interesting, so many interesting things, narratives going around in the NBA right now, um, especially uh, LeBron James being hurt. So what do you think? Do you think yeah. the Lakers can stave it off and get into the playing game without the goat? Bah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like weird for me because uh-huh. – at first, you know, I remember I believe that we were talking to you was like, you know, they're they're they look like a way better team. These are the right mm-hmm. pickups and stuff like that. And I watched the game, right? I watched the game, and it was the I think it was the last game that I think LeBron played. Mm-hmm. The last game that I think LeBron played, and I was like, okay, it looked really good. It looked really yeah. good. You know, they were able to win that game, and I was like, okay. And then he ends up like, oh, yep, I'm hurt. I'm down for a couple weeks, and I'm like, <sighs> now I kind of lost faith. And I'm yeah. gonna tell you the real reason why I lost faith. It's not the pickups because I believe in what, you know, I believe in the pickups now. I believe in D I believe in the defensive capabilities of Vando and what he brings to the table, yeah. Austin Reeves and the other G Leaders. Um but what I don't believe in is I don't believe in Anthony Davis. Yeah. It's so I hard don't, to trust him. I I can't <laughs> trust him. I can't yeah. trust him. I want to. I want to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, with LeBron being out, he could get us to a couple games. Yeah. You know, he can get us a couple games on our belt till LeBron can come back and then, you know, maybe win the play in game with LeBron once he's back and then get a get a get a you know, go at least second round in the playoffs. It yeah. possibly, right? But I don't even see like AD's been playing better. But I still just don't see him like I don't believe in him. I don't think that he could do it. I feel like they're gonna yeah. lose more than they win and end up outside the playoffs yet again. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I used uh, when we first talked about this, I disagreed with you. It's like, yeah, the Lakers are gonna make the playoffs, but I'm starting to see your point a little bit here from a little bit different perspective. Is every team is playing with so much more of a higher intensity that mm-hmm. like it's gonna be harder than it would have been pre All Star break to make up these games. And, you know, I don't feel like it's a guarantee that the Lakers snake in. And there's a lot of good teams that are fight. Like, the West is really deep, 1 through 10. And uh, 1 through 12, basically. Everybody's within a short time frame of, you know, wins and losses. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's guaranteed either. I, I um, sadly, I, I don't think it's guaranteed that they'll make it in the play-in. Um, it's going to be an interesting fight all the way into it. But, yeah, it's yeah. going to be fun. With LeBron, yes. Without LeBron... I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. And uh, Mr. Up and Down Team, I feel like been no more up and down team lately is the Dallas Mavericks. What do you think the Dallas Mavericks are, Chris? You know, one game oh they suck, one game they put up 82. You know, who know? what are they, Chris? What are, what are the Mavericks? I don't know. I feel like they're figuring it out. Okay, so okay. Unpo- unpopular, maybe popular opinion, I believe that they have one of the best backcourts in the West. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of faith in the Kyrie-Luka combination because I feel like it works. I Me feel too. like he's used to it because of LeBron. The fact yep. that you have this guy who can handle the ball really well, pass, mm-hmm. make everybody better, and all you have to do is score, that makes things a lot easier. True. Right? Um, but my problem with the Mavericks is the lack of identity. That they still don't know exactly who they are. And it's shown in late game situation. They crack, collapse, <laughs> crumble, implode under pressure. As soon as yeah. the couple seconds come into play, it's like Kyrie and Luca look at each other like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like yeah. they kind of just like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? 
I've seen this play out a couple times. Today, I did see the end of the Phoenix Suns game, you know, and I was listening to it as well. And I did see that they did make a better opportunity, you know, with the shot selection, mm-hmm. although they did lose. But I'm just saying, like, it's still kind of... I was talking to my oldest brother about this. Like I said, we talked basketball all the time. I was watching the game with them while I was getting those games. And we were saying... And I was saying to him, I was like, you know... The problem here is that if it goes into the clutch sign situation, it favors the Suns. Why is it favor the Suns? Because I believe in Book's ability to make the clutch shot. I believe in KD's ability to make the clutch shot. Not saying that I don't believe in Luka or Kyrie, but I feel that they just kind of don't have that type of identity right now. Because Luka's been leading a team by himself for so mm-hmm. long that it's kind of like you're inter- you're injecting immediately and at the very like last minute, like, hey, Luka, guess what? You have somebody else who can who can go along with you now. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Mm. And Luca's like, well, wait a second. I'm used to playing with scrubs. Right. I don't know how to deal with this just yet. Yeah. You know? And I'm not in like Booker has never had anything on the level of KD, but CP3 was a good kind of stepping stone into True. that direction. True. So I feel that having CP3 makes the Suns a little bit more acclimated to dealing with those big crunch time situations because he's like, wait, I know how to defer. I don't believe Luca knows how to defer just yet. And Kyrie's mm. like it's your team. You take the shot. Yeah. I feel like they're still trying to figure this out. Yeah. They're both being so passive about it. Yeah. Very passive. And they're still trying to figure it out. Once they get it figured out, then I will be higher on the maps. But I believe I'm high on the potential, but I know they're yeah. just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm high on the potential too. Offensively, they can hit a peak that I don't really think any other team can hit. It's just defensively, they suck. I mean, yeah. the worst defensive team in the playoffs might be them. I mean, it's going to be, a, you know, they, they, they're terrible defensively. Um, so it's going to depend on the matchup and who they get. But I think they'll figure it out. But right now it's kind of funny seeing two of the greatest end-of-game closers we've seen the past 10 years be so passive with each other. So, you yeah, know, they want to win. That's that's a good thing to know, no take about that. They care about each other and just being a little too passive. They'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You ready to move to one team that's not being very passive. They're being very aggressive, especially Jalen Brunson, who's on a roll lately, averaging 22-28 a game, something ridiculous like that. The New York Knicks went on a seven-game win streak. And, you know, I'm curious, Chris, how real do you think the Knicks are? What do you think about the Knicks right now? And, um, yeah, let's hear it. I feel like the Knicks right now are playing with an edge. I feel like these this yeah. is a Knicks team that looks really, really good. A mm-hmm. lot of people will say, and I'm not, you know, it's maybe an unpopular, popular opinion, but I, I and I see a lot of people say that Jalen Brunson isn't really like that. It's kind of a fluff stat type of thing. Like he's kind of just filling it up, and it's not really mattering. But I, I want to disagree with that. I definitely want to disagree with that because I feel that he's actually, I feel like he's actually a, a really efficient basketball player. Yes. Right? I feel like he's, I feel like it's not just, okay, I'm going out here and I'm just throwing up and we're just, we're hoping for the best at this point. I feel like these are, he's making the right moves, the right plays, taking the right shots and keeping everything really going for his team. And I think that the Josh Hart tr- trade is highly underrated. Yes. <laughs> highly really underrated trade. Think. It made the team so much better mm-hmm. defensively. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I really do agree. Take- Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, yeah, I'm saying it makes the team so much better defensively. And I think that that kind of – he fits perfectly into the kind of mindset and the kind of team that their identity mm. that they're creating there, even though we yeah. are – I kind of already seen them as kind of like a rough and rugged, mm-hmm. you know, defensive, hard-nosed kind of team. But I think he fits perfectly into that. Yeah. And makes the team so much better. Yeah. I, I feel like – you know, I agree with you that Jalen Brunson is not fluff stats. He plays such an efficient style of basketball. And I feel like the sad thing about this is I don't think they could beat any of the top four teams in the East. But I feel like one thing that makes me sad about New York Knicks fans is they just can't sit down and just appreciate a good basketball team. I feel like these Knicks fans are still being so negative to their team, still finding unique and creative ways to diss them. I mean, the amount of times I see on TikTok and YouTube of New York Knicks fans be like, Julius Randle plays such an inefficient style of basketball. Okay, you are mixing up inefficient with tough shot creator and tough shot taker which is what John Julius Randle is, right? Mm-hmm. And that has extreme value when he's an all-star level power forward like that, right? And you're mixing those two things up. You just need to sit down and appreciate it, just like R.J. Barrett. Everybody wants to come in R.J. Barrett's head. Oh, he's so inefficient. He's a bum. He is not what we wanted him to be. It was Zion. It was Jaw. And it was supposed to be R.J. Barrett. He was supposed to be just like those are the three. Okay, well, you had this projection in your mind of the falsehood of what he could be. Okay, and you just can't accept the 18, 4, and 4 that he is right now. Okay, just because the field goal percentage is lower on a guy like this, that means you don't really understand how basketball is done because he's a tough shot taker, tough shot creator himself, right? Those guys are higher volume guys. They take tougher shots. They have lower field goal percentages. It's just like a standstill shooter from the three-point line is going to have a better three-point percentage than a three-point shot creator for himself just because he's taking easier shots, right? He's going to have a higher Mm -hmm. field goal percentage. Those field goal percentage and three-point percentages can lie to you on the value of a player. And it just makes me sad that they just can't sit down and appreciate the fact that they've had they have a winning team. They have the best team mm. since the mellow J.R. Smith teams. You know what I mean? Mm. That one year where they were good. And before that, since the 90s. Like, you guys have sucked for so long. You know, go through 10 to 5 years periods without making the playoffs. Just sit yeah. back and enjoy having a good basketball team in the Mecca. Why can't you guys just do that for once? Stop being so overly negative. And just enjoy good basketball. Are they going to win an NBA championship? No. Should you enjoy them as a basketball team and support them as a basketball t- basketball fans? Yes. It's not overly complicated. So, you know, that's that's my take on the Knicks. So what do you think about the Knicks? Yeah, I believe yeah. that the fan base is kind of toxic, you know? Yeah. I feel like they just need Sadly. to enjoy enjoy the good that they that they're that they're, you know, displaying right now. Yeah. Playing really good basketball right now. They look like mm-hmm. a better team than they have in years. Yes. And just enjoy it. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. You're not going to get a playoff championship caliber no. team every year, especially when how, how jumbled up the NBA is constantly with all the trades, free agents, mm-hmm. and things like that. You're not going to always get a caliber team. I mean, a, a team that's the caliber of, you know, a, of a Giannis Bucks or mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, um, a, a, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, Cel- uh, Tatum Celtics or something like that. You know, <laughs> like you're not gonna always get that caliber of team, but you just need to be, you know, grateful. Well, I guess it's kind of the bad word because it's like just shut up and take your medicine. But I think you should be appreciative. I think is the better one um, of the team that you are that you have in your city right now in the mecca yeah. of basketball. But I believe that because it's the mecca of basketball, that you put a lot more emphasis on the fact that hey, this is we need a ring here. We haven't had a ring here, and you're like that every team should we have here should be great. Mm-hmm. They just have a toxic fan base. True. And uh, from one negative fan base to a guy who's getting treated negatively right now, John Morant recently came mm. out and he's getting suspended for basically two games. You know, I think he was showing his gun on Instagram or something, waving it around, and he basically yeah, he caught, showed it. Yeah. So he got suspended, um, and it's a really interesting topic. So I want to see what you think about it, Chris. Um, I feel like... With the John Morant thing, you know he's been, being he's been he's been having a lot of negative publicity, right? Yes, lately a lot. You know, with the the beating up the guy, the, mm-hmm. was he seventeen, and then showing showing a gun, and he was supposedly defending himself, and he's not going to be charged for that. And to right after that, to showing a gun on Instagram Live, um, and then also to the story that his the people that he was with or whatever flashed la- flashed like the lasers from a gun. At the Indiana Pacers, when they were playing them that that time, like before the All Star break, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just a lot of negative publicity, um, and I feel like with the the most recent one, I it's kind of hard to say because I don't want to be so negative, right? Because I, yeah. I you know I enjoy the game that he ha- I enjoy the, the way he plays basketball. I understand that, but he has to understand that there are levels to life, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What may be accepted on certain levels, you know what I mean? Once you get to the level that you are now, you're worth $250 million. You have to mm-hmm. carry yourself in a certain way or you will lose what you have got, what you have True. earned. Because it's, it's, everything is earned, especially when you play basketball. When you start from wherever you start from, you know, however low, however middle, however high you start from, everything is earned from there on. So, yeah. you know, he went to college, he was, he got drafted, you know what I mean? And now he's like the face of a franchise. That's earned. You don't want to throw stuff like that away over wanting to prove, and this is how I see it, with, without a doubt, wanting to prove that you're still relatable. Mm-hmm. I don't, if I get to that level, I don't want to be relatable anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be... I, I want to be a, gu- a a guiding light, you know, kind of in a lead. Because once you become, once you get to a certain level, you become a leader, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean. To those people who have who who watched you grow up, to the people who watch you now, you become a leader. So yeah. I don't want to be relatable. Really, leaders are relatable, but I don't want to be relatable on that level. I want to be relatable, like okay, I've done it, so you can do it too, and I'm willing to throw the foolishness away because I know what I, what my value is as a person in the community. Yeah. As a player, as a basketball player, as a son, as a friend, as a father, I know my value. So I'm willing to throw away. I don't if you if you can't relate to me anymore because I'm on this level, then we shouldn't be friends anymore. If you can't relate to me anymore, then you shouldn't look up to me anymore mm-hmm. because I don't want to relate to you anymore. I want to show you that there is better. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where he should be going. I feel that even though he's in the NBA, you know what I mean? And you should I you know, you don't expect, you know, 
philanthropy from every NBA player. Everybody's not sure. going to be LeBron, right? Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> not going to be, you know, Wade. Everybody's not going to be these type of, these, these caliber of players who just, mm-hmm. like, really put, Kyrie, who puts their all into the community, you know what I mean, where, where they go, you know what I mean? Everybody's not going to be that caliber player, but I would expect some form of maturity from a player that's making $250 million. Yeah. I uh, I agree with you. I agree that, you know, he has got to learn from this. And I feel like he will, you know, since it's so public. Basically, the NBA just stopped. It was like talking about John Morant for a whole day. He's not going to be able to hide, hide from what he did. Uh, you know, assuming that he grows from this, I would say that the greatest story that America as a community consumes is the comeback story, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like John Morant can be has a lot of potential to grow into a person that can be like, I once did X, but I have grown past that and defeated the demons of the the temptation of, you know, acting that way and displaying myself yeah. in that way. And, you know, I feel like he has the potential to really be a great learning oh i get to learn from john morant how he grew from that really tough situation and i feel like that is something that you know he has the potential to do i mean i even heard jalen rose talk about like he went through like a similar thing where he Mm -hmm. was not as you know have i have his whole whole life together perfectly and like now it sounds like he does a lot of philanthropy and like he could be like that you know yeah you know, somebody that can be a guiding light and somebody that can be a great example of coming overcoming things and i feel like you know john Murray has an opportunity to be a great image of overcoming so i feel like there's yes. there's there's really room for growth there yeah. exactly but it, yeah. it would take him you know what i mean not wanting to be relatable anymore. Yeah. I feel like yeah. he's just stuck on that right now. That's mm-hmm. how I see it. I feel like you just want to be too relatable. But yeah. like I was saying, when you get to a certain level, I, you shouldn't want to be relatable. You shouldn't want to be seen in that light anymore. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. You ready to run through one quick topic? Quinn yeah. Snyder becoming the land of High Hawks head coach. Chris, your reaction. Five years. Damn, he's getting paid. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um. One thing I do want to say about this is I told you so. Not you, yeah. particular Jason, but you listeners. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. And I told you so. <laughs> and the reason why I'm going to say this is because not because I knew that Quinn Snyder was going to get hired. Right. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I knew Nate McMillan was going to get fired. Sure. <laughs> that I saw that coming from a mile away. As soon yeah. as there was immediate trouble in paradise with him and Trey Young, mm-hmm. I knew that he was on his way out the door, True. and it was a matter of time. True. Yeah. Being because court because of these large entities, these teams, the owners, they never look at the star. They immediately blame the coach. True immediately blame the coach coaches out of there coaches are like they're always it's always a revolving door for a coach because you never know because you say the wrong thing to one star and you're out of there True. you're out of there because it because you know what happens when you start getting into it with the stars and stars have um how do i say i'm not gonna say low for self-esteem but egos mm-hmm. you lose the locker room True. Those type of players, you, they don't want to listen to you anymore. They don't. The team doesn't look like the team of old anymore, and that's kind of what's happened to the Atlanta Hawks. They were they stopped looking like oh, 
They stopped looking like the, a winning team. Mm-hmm. They stopped looking like they were when they went to the playoffs and, and beat the Sixers and, you know, almost beat the Bucks. They stopped looking like that caliber of team. Once mm-hmm. he lost the locker room, it was only a matter of time. Because once he got in it with Trey, that's when he lost the locker room. Now you look at the team now and you're like, the team looks a lot better now that he's gone. Was he no. truly the problem? I would not say that Nate McMillan was the problem. I feel that the problem was that the situation between Trey and him, whatever that may have been, was just handled by, you know, internally, you know, between Trey and Nate McMillan very poorly. And once that happened, then he lost the team. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different take on the Quinn Snyder hiring and why Nate McMillan got fired. You know, one of the books, um, Larry Bird said that after three years, a head coach loses the locker room. He was like he was coaching the Indiana Pacers, and they went to the NBA championship on his third year of coaching there, and he quit the job. <laughs> like that's how much he <laughs> believed in that. And I feel like yeah. Nate McMillan is just an example of that. I don't think Nate McMillan's a bad coach. We have both loved Nate McMillan here. You know, we both thought he did a great job in Indiana. We both thought he did a really good job with Atlanta when he was coaching when they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. and he went from assistant to head coach. And I just feel like he just lost the locker room. I feel like. It's been pretty evident when you watch Atlanta Hawks games that they're pretty lazy defensively and they just look out of sync. And, you know, it just seems like on the floor they just don't feel like they um, just something is off. And I just feel like with the Trey Young thing, with um, probably other things that happened behind closed doors, it seems like he didn't just lose Trey Young. It seems like he lost 1 through 12. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's just, it happens sometimes. You keep on hearing the same voice over and over again in the locker room, and sometimes it just decreases in its value and decreases in its effectiveness. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Quinn Snyder is a world-class head coach. That's a great fit for them. I really feel like he's going to get that offense running right. Um, His offensive formula really works for a guy like Trey Young and the surrounding um, pieces and um, I can already tell that they're playing with a lot more defensive intensity like they try a lot more in defense than what they used to do so that's a good first step so I'm really excited about this Atlanta Hawks team and I'm really excited about the NBA man so we should uh do you think this is a good time to kick it to kill it yeah this is this is a good time this is a good time so all right this is the end guys we just want to say thank you so much for listening and for yeah. supporting for commenting for viewing us on tiktok yeah. youtube you know listening and just just keep supporting you know this is our um our community you know you yeah. help build this community this is a community for you know casuals and non-casuals alike mm-hmm. you know what i mean everybody's welcome here we're just here to talk basketball because yeah. we enjoy it we love the game you know what I mean? And, you know, hopefully you enjoy our takes. And we'd love to hear you guys' takes. If you don't agree with this, put it in the comments. If you agree with this, put it in the comments. I mean, we do answer yeah. back. Um, I know that we're legit on TikTok. <laughs> so, like, every time you can, we post something, I'm pretty sure I see it. Jason sees it. True. I see it at some point, you know, when I get the time to. Yeah. But it's always being seen. It's not being ignored. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. once again, I'm Chris Muhammad. I'm Jason Collins. And we are the Basketball Addicts. Peace! When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.